Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Michael Hamford from What Culture and I'm joined by Michael Sidgwick from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on Friday's edition of Smackdown. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only preview and review Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite and Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events and hold wrestling interviews, roundtable discussions and have a roundup of the week compete with a bloody good of course, on Wrestle Culture. Sidgwick, just me and thee yeah. for Smackdown today. Uh, Show of the week, uh, as Will Bourne would typically say. This wasn't that for me. Uh, I didn't hear all of it, but this had some pretty significant feelings that you in particular have been looking forward to diving into with. Yes. Um, we had a little bit of a chat over the desks this morning, but I sensed it was the kind of one where we held back so that we could put it in front of the microphones rather than blowing it. Bl- blowing our wads. Too early. Yeah, blowing the goddamn beans up on muff. <laughs> Fair and all. Remember about, I don't know, maybe about six months ago. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. There was a period on AW programming where there was a wrestler cutting a promo backstage when they were interviewed by one of the broadcast personnel. And yes, I'm going to start this WWE criticism with a criticism of AEW to keep it balanced. Okay. And the wrestler would have the interview. And then oh, someone's come and interrupted them. And in the face of creeping criticism, the wrestler who got interrupted would say something to the effect of, <laughs> guess I'm getting interrupted. It happens every goddamn week. And I said, in criticism of this AEW thing, Hamlet, I would rather you just didn't get interrupted at all. Okay? Yeah. Don't hang a lantern on the bad thing. Just stop doing the bad thing. Don't clue me into the fact that you think it's a pretty lame thing, but we got to do it. No, you don't. (laughs) Be creative. Please be creative. Okay? So I didn't like how in AEW, they told you, going to get interrupted, guys, but it's okay because I'm cool and I don't like it either. I would love it. Never going to happen. If WWE just would decide once and for all whether these shows are being filmed or not Mm. in the backstage areas, don't take the piss out of me. Don't hold me in contempt. Don't play games with me. Don't have Paul Heyman say, well, you know, he's always watching. If he was always watching, then half of the stuff wouldn't or shouldn't have happened. So I had problems with the invisible camera this week for two, three reasons. One... In general, the invisible camera is terrible. Two, they told me at the trial of Sami Zayn that no, the camera isn't invisible. Yeah. And in fact, that footage can be, you know, um, isolated and recorded and watched and played back or whatever. And the third one is don't don't think that you have to have the invisible camera or you don't or like, just make your mind up with it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, to use Paul Heyman's own words here, this is uh, not a prediction, it's a spoiler. We're going to get into this in a bit more detail uh, when we get to the segments, I guess, because there was more show-long storylines, as there has to be at this point with the bloodline, like the key acts in the show. But yeah, they played, I thought, what was quite a dangerous game with this device. It's not one that I'm, I would say on a weekly basis, I'm not as bothered as you are. It's a good thing to pick up on. Like, that's on me to kind of just give them too much rope. A lot of people do. When it comes to the invisible camera, I actually found it more annoying in that era where, like, Young Bucks, for example, were so obsessed with acknowledging it that that became 
faker than just uh, yeah. not acknowledging it altogether. But the thing is, is the thing with WWE and the invisible camera, it's something I hate. Mm. It's something that I think that a lot of people don't realize when they watched and fell out of love with WWE, that it was a not insignificant part of their issue, but it it converged with a lot of other things to make the show feel fake, yes. which was a big problem in a wider sense. That's bad habits becoming the norm. So, yes, yeah. and people just thought, well, I can't believe in this. And I think that's one of the less articulated reasons why, okay. So I understand that my pedantic bugbear with the invisible camera genuinely isn't shared mm-hmm. by that many people. And ultimately, with this Bloodline saga, right, it's kind of, I've had a revelation where, right, okay, it is driven by the invisible camera. You can pick it apart if you want, mm-hmm. but a lot of people do not want to pick this apart. And if it's resonating with enough people on an emotional level to make the matches and the angles feel white hot and is doing monster business, WWE's best stuff in like, what, three years, yeah, ratings-wise, yeah. then ultimately my petty grievances, pedantic grievances with the invisible camera don't really matter they're making it into the storyline now, yeah. and it's all over the place. So I do think that my subjective pet hate thing with the invisible camera is really starting to become a problem. Well, where I thought they'd done a really good job with the use of the invisible camera, because so many, what we're talking about here, for those that haven't watched every single week of this Bloodline saga unfold, but might have caught glimpses here and there, I guess, is that the, the invisible camera factored into the Bloodline when you would, say, have Sami Zayn be given some time with Roman Reigns in Roman Reigns' office, this seclusive office that somehow had a boom mic and a light and a camera also as part of it. But the big angles in the ring, to your point, were never really impacted by it. The big angles played out in where nobody felt stupid. The trial of Sami Zayn, the T-shirt week. Um, I don't give a damn about the tribal chief. These were things that actually used stuff that we'd seen to kind of remind you that they're all... They've all got ears, basically. Yeah. They're all hearing what's getting said, too. And in the ring is where everybody sees everything. But it's, it's not just the invisible camera backstage. There were times when a finish would happen. Yeah. Where, wherein Sami Zayn could have... Where one of the characters thought the other characters could have done something. Invisible hesitation. Yes. Then wasn't questioned the following week. Yes. Or where, like, Sami Zayn has not made a mistake, Mm -hmm. but because Jey Uso had a certain vantage point, he thought he'd made a mistake where they didn't watch the show back. So there's the two things together that I didn't like, but sorry, carry on. Well, no, it's because this starts in the ring, and it's the only... Uh, I guess, like, in-ring dialogue bit with the Bloodline, as they used to as much later on the show. But everything else takes place backstage. I think it's, it's this discussion is as relevant now as when we get to the point. But SmackDown opened with Paul Heyman in a, a, what would prove to be a back-and-forth with Sami Zayn. Um, and this, I thought, was where the, the kind of problems started. For this. I, I want to say, like, just off the back, I still i am with this Sami Zayn-Roman Reigns match 100%. It's not the sort of criticism where you think, oh, well, Angle's dead. It's certainly not all WWE in that respect. Whenever an angle would have a bad week, because it was Vince, you could well imagine thinking, well, it's finished then. Like they've plotted, they've planned, we've done enough podcasts and videos where we've talked about that and put them over for this. So I didn't. Th- I thought this was far from a home run week for all the characters, but I don't have any doubts or worries about going into Montreal. Feels worth just mentioning that as a disclaimer now. Because yeah. Paul Heyman comes in, cuts a very Paul Heyman promo, but not a bad one at that. He uh, he mentions basically that they are, there are currently two strands of stories going on in the life of Roman Reigns. There is, of course, the Cody Rhodes one on Raw and Sami Zayn on SmackDown. Um, he's holding both of Roman's belts at this point as if to illustrate the kind of dual threats. Um he makes a point of saying, however, since uh, Brock Lesnar ended the streak, he no longer makes predictions, he makes spoilers. And the first spoiler he has for fans is that Sami Zayn is not in the building tonight. That explains why he can kind of speak so confidently about Sami as Roman's rival. Um, he talks a bit more arrogantly about Cody Rhodes now that Cody isn't in the building. He says he knew Dusty well, but he didn't realise Dusty raised a dumbass uh, because when Cody said that the belt was all about the belt and not personal, he was misunderstanding who Roman Reigns is, what the island of relevancy is, the belt is the most personal thing of all, which I thought was a really nice time there. Say what you want. They're doing an awesome job of this WrestleMania match. Like yeah. the, the questions of how Cody would be folded in, I think, have been answered week on week on yeah, week yeah. at this point. Um, but in a strange sort of twist on how Paul Heyman does spoilers, and indeed how Vince McMahon used to do guarantees, he is proven wrong when Sami Zayn appears in the ring from the crowd in the hoodie in the same sort of attire as he was in last week, as if he'd snuck in. Yeah. just in case maybe the bloodline in the garden, the doors, whatever. He was there, and he got right into Paul Heyman's face. 
Um, he was very respectful of Cody's uh, WrestleMania hopes and all the rest of it and living his own dream, but less respectful of Paul Heyman suggesting Roman Reigns was going to be there to be the one to face him. He might be the one to defend the title against Cody Rhodes because he is extremely confident, very confident that he can beat Roman Reigns. He uh, basically does a bit of, I think, like reasonable exposition for where the bloodline are currently at. He's saying that, you know, eventually Solo and Jimmy will see what Jay already has. It took... Sami Zayn leaving to show the rest of the bloodline that there's another way, and he's showing that now, and he's left the bloodline, and in three weeks, he's got a title shot. I thought that was a nice way of explaining a way that this is quite a rushed bit of it. We've got, we've got yeah. to get to this now because WrestleMania's coming, but that made it feel like it made a bit more sense narratively. Um, it goes a little bit too WWE comedy for my taste. He, like, it's Triple H, man. He only knows how to write Triple H at the end of yes. the day. So Sami Zayn has got to be cool and hard and sexy and funny rather than just being Sami Zayn. He makes a joke about Paul Heyman, like, always giving Roman Reigns those heart eyes. And he says, we all think it's a bit weird, man. Waits for the laugh that never really comes. Mm-hmm. And I think the fans don't want that. They want the Sami Zayn that was goo-goo-eyed when that slow zoom in on him when he got his Usos t-shirt and all the rest of it. But nonetheless, uh, what he does do is speak very confidently as a babyface. says he can beat... Uh, Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber. Uh, he's got just days left because he's going to end his run. Um, Heyman wants to try and take the microphone back, um, and Sammy won't let him. Just says you only have to worry about you don't have to worry about Cody because it's going to be me that Cody needs to worry about at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, what did you make of all of this? Right, okay, it's a good job I'm not on Twitter. I think they've actually given up on. Bearing us on Twitter, but that's fine. <laughs> Unless they just do screenshots and I don't see it. Right. I don't, I don't really get uh, annihilated in the cold tweets anymore or anything like that. It's those old Saturday morning there, uh, QT. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> losers. What losers? So it's a good job, I think, that I'm on a podcast saying this because I'm the negative guy and the cynical guy. I think this was... I've got two conflicting thoughts on this, right? Neither of them matter, by the way. One, I thought... This was a pretty bad week for the Sami Zayn character and the Bloodline Saga. Mm-hmm. A take which collides with my other take, but I still think both at the same time. It doesn't matter. Montreal is going to be red, red hot, mm-hmm. white hot. Literally nothing they can do at this point is going to ruin that or scupper it, particularly when it's so close. If it was a month and a half away maybe but I just I just can't ever see it happening no matter what they do I was not asked well I've pretty much been asked you're pushing two baby faces at the same time mm-hmm. you are doing two segments across Raw and Smackdown that are very similar in which the challenger for the UWU as it's called <laughs> is having a promo segment with Paul Heyman yeah okay I don't think they could cut a more deliberate, unflattering contrast mm. between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn if they tried. You have Cody Rhodes. He's out first. Correct? He got interrupted by Paul Heyman. Yes. He's out first from the entranceway, in plain sight, uncaring about any potential threat, and he's in his suit, and he looks a million dollars, and he's the face of the company, and he gets interrupted, and he's magnanimous and all the rest of it. Sami Zayn comes out looking like the conspiracy theorist in the hoodie. Yeah. Like he's afraid of something. And I don't necessarily think that's really good underdog babyface work. I think he looks a little bit paranoid and on edge. And maybe he should be, but I don't think that positions him as a particularly good babyface. Again, nothing what I'm talking about matters. (laughs) He's still beloved by these fans. These fans are going to go mental for him in Montreal. Sorry for the alliteration. It is the work of our souls. None of this matters what I'm saying. I'm just saying for my personal enjoyment, which is not reflected by anyone in the WWE universe, to which I'm pretty much completely detached these days, it, it just looked weird mm. coming out like that. For the second week in a row, it's one thing if he's trying to get a shot on Roman Reigns, where I guess they'd maneuvered the parts elegantly enough to make it seem like, right, he's got one lucky shot at this demigod. Do it. Doing it to Heyman and, ah, just I don't know. I just don't think it looked good. Not only was the delivery and the content of that, we all think it's a bit weird line, very much Dean Ambrose 2016. Yeah. Very much Dean Ambrose 2016 when he would say, what's with that scarf, dude, Mm -hmm. to Chris Jericho? It's very, very 
WWE babyface who we don't like as much as the other babyface speak. Yeah. That's not very snappy, but you know what I mean. I still, we see the way you look at Roman and we all think it's a bit weird. What have you been doing for six months? Uh-huh. Wait, tell me now, yeah. what has he been doing for six months, if not the exact same thing? All that needed was a <laughs> right guys, and then puts his armor on somebody, but nobody's there to receive it. Yes. Because nobody's really with him on yeah. that. Yeah, and it's like, he's been, that's one of the, I don't think it's a flaw in the, the storyline. I think at his core, the Sami Zayn character is such a wounded bird. Hmm. Like, with the way that he's been treated by Kevin Owens throughout his entire <laughs> life and all the rest of it, so... I don't think badly of Sami Zayn for being this kind of obsequious little healed guy who just wants some love and then discovers his agency. I think that whole thing's been great, but to just make up the rules as you go along for how you should look at Roman Reigns. Oh, he's, not, he's, he's like Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan wrapped into one now. He's good to go. Uh, he's, <sighs> it's, uh, he's done the exact same thing, and it's just that disconnect for me was but you know it's a cinematic masterpiece so what do i know <laughs> it was i'm telling you this was a pretty bad week for the cinematic masterpiece for me i thought um i know you had significant problems with it very justified ones at that i thought sammy and jay in their performances came off much better later on in their little moment together. that felt like real life yeah that, like, felt, that like felt like, like that's life. the character which is ironic been, considering the way it was framed yeah they felt like the characters we've been watching we will yes. get to that um because right now we've got to get to hit row oh my word um they Came out, obviously, they're now working fully as heels since the Top Dollar botch has, like, I'm assuming setting up Top Dollar versus Michael Cole at WrestleMania is the only thing of any emotion that feels like yeah. it's going on because these were absolutely squashed like bugs um, by Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. It was nothing but the high spots. There's nothing, I can never recap in the way that Wilborn does, but there's nothing to recap it. This was beat to the bodger and this was Claymore one and done. Um, I guess for Hit Row... Um, they are now serving their purpose as lower card heels for bigger tag teams to beat. Yeah. So it's maybe another week to discuss like the plight of Hit Row because this is just where they slot in right now. But what this was for was for um, the Drew McIntyre Sheamus combo to finally have their big match with the Viking Raiders. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that was booked for next SmackDown, not for Elimination Chamber, which I think is the right move for a number of reasons. The Viking Raiders had a pre-made video um, along with Valhalla. Um, Valhalla is a name. Lucky that the uh, lucky that the babyface has won. Otherwise, this video would feel particularly stupid if yes. he got the win, wouldn't it? But they had the video made anyway. Carlo Riley had been round with all his filming. Look, I will say that's wrestling for you. Happens in AW as well, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Sammy's in. I'm running. Does it? Does it? Does it? All right, guys. Uh, but yeah, so that's all set up for next week. We don't do the SmackDown preview together. It's normally me and Wilborn, and I've highlighted, and, it, and we just do not talk about this tag team in the office. I've highlighted that this rebadge that isn't really a rebadge for the Viking Raiders doesn't to me feel like it's working. I've been in a building, you were in that building too, mm. when they were a white hot WWE act against Ricochet and Alistair Black at TakeOver New York. That gimmick can work because fans will just buy yeah. that the offense rules and they're dead hard and they'll go, I, I'm not that a Viking guy, yes. but I'll go along with mythology within the context of the match. They've lent in so hard to try and get these characters away from the what, the bowlers, the bin monster people that they yeah. once were, and yet I still don't feel like it's taken. This is a very, very low-level concern for Drew and Sheamus, I think. Right, so can I talk about the match and the post-challenge at the same time? So I guess the one story beat to take note of in the match, which hint, hints towards Sheamus and Drew's direction, is that when Sheamus hit one of them, when Drew hit one of them, I think it was top dollar with the Claymore, mm-hmm. Seamus looked a bit miffed as if it was his turn or something. Yeah, he got the bro, he got the bro kick on uh, Ashanti the Adonis yes. in the end, but there was like one of them little looks and then they were all giggling away again as mates. It's like, oh, I'm dead hard, mate. I'm harder. Yeah. Are you though? Lol. Like, there's, it's always so gonna, lurking there. Yeah. And I think they're going to do a match at WrestleMania. But I think that's the crack, but that's, again, probably for another few weeks. I was mesmerized by Top Dollar's awfulness once again. <laughs> I cannot articulate how bad he is. It's like when I talk about Brian Danielson and how good he is. Yeah. It's hard to, you have to really, and it belies the point of wrestling, you have to really analyze every one of his movements to see how he <laughs> constructs this masterpiece, to see why it really just literally hits different to anybody else's. I've tried to do that, but it is hard to describe genius. It's what I really like to do as a wrestling analyst. Top dollar is the anti-Brian Danielson. He sells his beats of the Bodron, right? as if he is a completely worthless loser, <laughs> a completely worthless loser 
who also banters it off at the same time. Mm. He could not look more like an idiot getting his ass kicked, but he also looks like he has a bit of contempt for taking the move at the same time. It's I don't know how he's doubly bad at the same thing. One of my wrestling pet hates, we talked about this before, is when a heel turns babyface because his heel friends turned on him. I hate that. Yes. It's the worst way to start your life as a babyface. Randy Orton and Evolution being the primary example of that. Hit Row are babyfaces that have turned heel because nobody likes them. Yeah, I know. That's the worst kind of heel turn. They're not despicable. They're no. not cunning. Just, we don't they're wanna, not They're want to cheer these people. Yes. It's just like it, Like there's a, a two-way disdain between useless. the audience and the wrestlers. They're just absolutely useless. They look nice on this show, but that was right. My top dollar selling of that, he just looked like he was a complete sack of crap. Pot poller. Useless loser. <laughs> who also just, his facials and his OTT selling of it felt like he had contempt. Mm. Like, contrast him doing it with Gunther. Gunther was like, if I get locked in here, yeah. I am done for. I am therefore going to struggle out of it at three different bits of the mm-hmm. ringside area. I just cannot have this done to me. My chest will get caved in. And I'm Gunther. Yeah. Top dollars, like eyes rolling in the back of his head. Like, he looks like it, he looks like he's got contempt for it all. Yeah. So I hate him. Uh, I thought he was useless. I'll tell you what, my problem with Viking Raiders is right. And you know what? I am not. I'm not one of these reductive idiots who go. You think you see two people kicked out of each other? No. And you just need them to kick ass and win matches. Like it's a lot harder than that. And I hate it when wrestling anal- analysis gets reduced to that. That being said, Viking Raiders really could just do with WWE could do. With Come on, ringing guys, up like the Vikings, Viking. Yes, <laughs> WWE could do with ringing every single training school in the vicinity of the next, I would say, two months worth of a loop. Because if Kevin and Sammy win those tag titles, they're going to need a decent yeah, yeah. heel opponent. So it might as well be them, right? Who have you got who can adequately protect themselves but just look terrible? Skinniest, palest, ugliest, frankly, like just the the most jobber-looking 1992 superstars guys you've ever seen, can they protect themselves? Yeah, yeah, they're trained. They're just, they don't look TV-ready. Right, okay, well, we're going to squash them. Yeah. Maybe that is the way forward for the Viking Raiders because every time you see a powerhouse tag team unit and they're just completely and utterly over-gimmicked, I think it's like a visual clue for fans not to invest because they've seen the Ascension They've seen the Bludgeon Brothers. And I think the formula which fans have been conditioned, even on an unconscious level, to accept is that after the hard lads look, the less incentive I have to take them seriously. What you're saying is modern WWE has killed the Road Warrior Pop. Yes. That's how bad <laughs> that's this company is. If you see, right, okay, well, the stupider uh, powerhouse Hoss unit looks, I'm conditioned to think it's just a short-lived act and they just can't be taken seriously. And I think that they look too stupid. They look too much like Vikings. They look too much like a gimmick, and it just feels shallow. And as he said, I've watched these guys live in person get over huge before all of these ridiculous adornments were introduced to their act, and I think that a lot of fans see that and think, oh, they're just over-gimmicked losers who I can't take seriously because I've been here before. Especially over-gimmicked losers that like still have to set. Like they've won and lost a few in this like division in inverted commas, they were part of the group of people that had to sell that top dollar dive, not to bring it back yeah. to top dollar, but like already quite oh, normalized. <laughs> already quite normalized in this brand new gimmick and certain to lose to proper stars here. Yeah. This is like this is not particularly good booking. It's just using the wrestlers. Yeah. Like using the wrestlers is not good booking. You have to then book them yes. as well. More of that later on the show. Um we go backstage to Jimmy Uso who's admitting that he can't find JJ, he's not answering his voicemail. This is a thread obviously up and until the Uso's tag defense later on that like we still don't know where J Uso is. Uh there's a quick section uh, where Parry and Pross cuts a promo where he says he's gonna be the Intercontinental Champion later in the night by he's gonna be targeting Rey Mysterio. Um but like the nineteen ninety nine Godfather. Well I thought targeting Rey Mysterio was what ruined a really good angle at the Royal Rumble, so I don't really want to watch that. Yes. Thank you. Uh but we go next to Lacey Evans versus Cameron Harris. This was another squash uh, in obviously attempt to get this. Me and Murray were talking about this this morning. This military themed MMA enthusiast gimmick that Lacey Evans has. That's a lot, but she's been handed all sorts in the like it's, she's had an insane three or four years yes. when you think about too it. insane too insane it's yeah it's probably all over for bar the shouting and this is a shouting because she wraps it up with the women's right in the cobra clutch uh in like two minutes against cameron harris any thoughts on lacey evans brackets general at this point that's my issue i have none i will never believe this is going to work so until it works and i see evidence of it working 
all of this will just pass me by. The audience has lost faith in WWE's ability to do anything with this woman, who I don't necessarily think has the talent to do anything. It just has capital P project, Pacey Pevins, <laughs> written all over it to the point where it just feels like the latest thing, they've got someone no one really connects with to do because they like her and nobody else, and I just I just watch it. Just, ugh. yeah. She doesn't connect. It was silent. Stuff doesn't look particularly good. They just like her. I don't end of. I think that's about right. Uh, Jimmy is so still panicking about the lack of Jay. Paul Heyman um, wonders aloud where Jay is and why he wouldn't be there for him. But Jimmy is still... This was. I thought this was interesting. Jimmy was still defending Jay to Paul Heyman in spite of everything. It was used... This dialogue here was... Twin brother, you'd hope so. Yeah. But it makes but, sense. But, you know, like everything that happened at the Rumble, this was also used to explain that Solo Sikawa was not in the building either. So we're kind of starting to understand what the nature of the bloodline is tonight, at least. No Solo, no Roman. So you can kind of imagine that they're together. What was Heyman doing here? I thought I did find myself wondering a little bit. Um, but Jimmy remains faithful that like Jay will be in the building. Uh, backstage, we go to Sonia Deville, who is raging with um, Postman Pierce about not being in the Elimination Chamber. Uh, I like this bit. I've been ripping the piss out of something on our Raw reviews. Uh, listen, wherever you get your podcasts, about how Adam Pierce has been mysteriously signing... Uh, SmackDown talent away from under the nose of SmackDown general manager Adam, Adam Pearce. And they made a gag of this. Thanks for listening to the usual WWE. Chelsea Green, furious with how she's been trapped on Raw, wished to speak to the manager here on SmackDown. It's the same guy, Cedric. It's the same man. The company's fundamentally broken forever, Cedric, yes. even when it's a bit good. Uh, tag team match. You're not going to believe it. They had space on the card. You are not going to believe it. They found a slot. Ever efficient. Adam Pearce found a slot. They're going to be in a tag team match later on. Uh, speaking of a more important tag team match, and what I thought was a pretty great one, actually, um, it's the Usos versus Ricochet and Braun Strowman. Going on in the middle of the card, so you sense this maybe wasn't going to be the big dramatic twist in the tale, as, yeah. as we'd like maybe forecast. Um, Ricochet and Braun come out first. Jimmy Uso is... This, was, this again, is really key to these um, situational alignments of most of the bloodline at the moment. Because Jimmy was ready to defend the titles, which I think permitted the fans to receive him as a bit of a babyface. Equally, Braun and Ricochet both didn't seem that buzzed about going two-on-one. They're babyfaces too. They don't want to win the belts this way, but if it's got to go, it's got to go. And then Jay comes from the crowd, much like Sammy did from the same part of the arena. This idea that arriving by blacked-out windows 4 by 4 is no longer the way they roll, perhaps whatever that was supposed to be. But Jay is here. Uh, He's here to back his brother. And we get what I would what I would call at this point classify as your traditional good to very good Usos TV title defense. This wasn't going to bother any match of the year polls, but like the last it's WWE Formula Tag, the last five minutes was hot as yeah, balls in yeah. the building. Um, you've got all the usual sort of Uso double teams, the stuff to trying to hide in plain sight, the blind tags. Ricochet gets to fly the um, the Usos got a kick out from that awesome sent on that Ricochet does off. Uh, bronze shoulders, where he just looks like he's... You know when bungee jumps just walk off the bridge and fall? Yes. Ricochet does that, and then he sent on himself yeah, and lands for... It's a Jeff Hardy impact sent on where it's all body on body. So I thought that was really cool. Um, the finish comes when Braun goes for his, like, choo-choo, around the ring. But the Usos, being smart, being the tag champions longer than, have the counter. Braun is decked. He's out. He's left on the table. Left one teeth. Uh, left sort of out. It's nice. Duck, wasn't it? Yeah. Last like, second dodge. Ducks hits the table. He's out for the count. They've dealt with the biggest threat, ultimately. And then Ricochet is set. This finish was so cool. Yes. Ricochet is setting up. Jimmy on the post, uh, they're kind of like grappling for like a superplex sort of thing. Jay hits the blind tag, but lets the move happen. As Ricochet lands with his 450 splash, his body bounces naturally, where Jay is waiting on the other post, hit an Uso splash. The timing of this was... On Ricochet as he landed, oh my God. This timing was incredible. Sublime, believable, high spot stuff that felt super impactful. Yeah. That put over the fact that like the Usos as twins, as tag champions, are just simpatico. They are a real team to beat, regardless of what's happened to them as part of the bloodline over the last few years. And then, uh, you know, Jimmy and Jay celebrate. It's all hugs and smiles. It still feels a little bit tense. But just, uh, like, rather than being story heavy, just a really quality Tag title defense in the Usos, I thought. Yeah. This last minute was absolutely... It's worth the button. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This was so great because not only was it... It was a high spot, a series of high spots that, A, looked brutal to take, like mm. the wind got knocked out of them, 
and then it was a chess move and a high spot. Yeah. Like intelligent aerial, like super intelligent mm. aerial warfare that finish. It was absolutely great. The timing was incredible. Risky to put off, but you need to do that to make it look realistic yeah. and believable. And it's the, this Strowman Ricochet tag team is the weirdest thing because outside of the ring, the banter and stuff I hate, I just find yeah. it so cringeworthy. I kind of hate the idea of it, of just the wee little guy getting endorsed by the proper big WWE monster. Now, you're good, even though you're small. Not all flippy floppers suck. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of hate all of it, and yet, what an actual complementary tag team good they act. are to one another. Like, the power and the speed, mm-hmm. and the way that they can... the Whoever they wrestle look like they are going to lose. Yeah. Because between Strowman and Ricochet, apart from, you know, mic skills and <laughs> likable personalities and stuff, I mean, in a strictly this is real and wear wrestlers thing, they've got literally everything between them that you could possibly mm-hmm. need. And at the moment, other than inexperience, which is where the ESO stepped in. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so whoever they wrestle, because this in the ring, this act complements each other so much. You feel like, well, they have to win because look at how they work together, and they've got every, they've got the lot between them. So I'm a big fan of that tag team. I just don't want to ever hear them talk. Yeah, I think I'm with you. They're just not irritating, belt to belt, are they? No, that's the one thing that they can that ultimately puts a ceiling on them as single stars. Yes, isn't there Aye. in in uh, tag matches? Um, Rey Mysterio is not worried about Parry and Pross. He wants another go at Gunther in the Intercontinental Title, and we go again to the hidden camera and to Jay Uso. Um, he's speaking with Jimmy and he says, look, we're brothers. I'm always going to have you back. But he's very non-committal about his future within the bloodline. He's refusing to give any more information. And uh, I, I love in that WWE way where he's like, right, I'm away for the night. I'll see you later. And walks out of shot. And then Paul Heyman like, is sneaking from behind the back. But like, Jameson must still be walking down that yes. corridor. They must be having this conversation. Everything happens stupid. so quickly. It's stupid. And I keep telling people <laughs> it's stupid. No one listens to me. Anecdotalist, <laughs> like the, he comes out from behind to sort of set the scene for anybody that hasn't watched. You catch Heyman, the camera catches Heyman hiding behind a pillar, um, listening to this conversation. So he's heard that Jimmy and Jay are more maybe on the same page than Jimmy is with Roman or whatever, whatever it is. He doesn't like what he's heard. Um, and then Jay, like I say, walks off down a corridor that clearly he's still got to walk down while Paul Heyman and Jimmy are having this conversation. But um, I Heyman's. He just vanishes. Yeah, he's just vanished. That's it. He's gone now. Gone from thin air. It's like an attack from the front. You yes. never see them until the exact moment they're in the camera shot. And uh, Heyman, you know, attaboy, well done, Jimmy. So we'll get back to uh, them later on. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was sort of a, I don't know, we get, it's, I'll, you know, I'll come to this when we get to Jimmy and Sammy because there's a few points, uh, Jay and Sammy, because there's a couple more points I want to make on this before we get to the, the closing segment, which I quite liked. Because we're going to go to... Uh, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Natalia. Who's... So hang on, what was the dialogue here between... So Jay says... Um, he doesn't know he's in there. Would never leave you hanging. As of the bloodline, eh, I, not I so sure. Know. Paul what is, Heyman what, comes Heyman up. What does Heyman say to Jimmy? He asks Jimmy, oh, what did, uh, what did Jay say? Even though he was listening in. So he's waiting to see if Jimmy will lie. 
And uh, Jimmy says, oh, like nothing. He's just gone. So he didn't lie. Like, Jimmy didn't lie, but Jimmy didn't tell the truth. Jimmy, Jimmy's on YouTube. Jimmy's on YouTube. Jimmy's on YouTube. Uh, Paul can watch Jimmy on YouTube. Yeah. Lie. Roman's seen every... This is what I was going to get to. Well, we'll do it now. Roman has obviously... There's an end segment, right? That doesn't relate to the main event. So we can just do the main event and leave it at that, right? There's an end segment where Paul Heyman says to Jimmy, stay home next week, Jimmy. Uh, Roman wants you to, because sometimes what you see on TV isn't always what you catch live in the building. Implying that Roman Reigns has sat at home, or sat on the Island of Relevancy, watched SmackDown on Fox, has watched this conversation play out, rang Paul Heyman, who was listening to the conversation anyway, and said, hey, Paul, do you know... um, Jay wasn't, and Jimmy weren't exactly showing the light of the bloodline there. I think we need to put them in their place. And then Heyman put presumed... The, put the, like, the fear of God into them. Yeah. And then Heyman presumed said, well, I know, Tribal Chief, I was stood right there. You saw me. Yes. You saw me too, didn't you? <laughs> like, it's so... They've... Well, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be, like, half as pedantic, which I appreciate your standards, but they are asking us to ask the questions this week. Yes. Like, Heyman's... I thought Heyman's delivery with Jimmy Uso was fantastic. Like, he slaps him on the arm, like, four or five times. And he's Paul Heyman. Uh, Jimmy Uso could deck him, but he has, as your words, put the fear of God into yep. him because of, ah, God, we've slipped up here. Like, we, like me and my brother, by professing our love to one another, have slipped up. That's good character work for the Roman Reigns gimmick. The rest of this camera stuff is a pain in my ass. It's a pain in the goddamn ass. I'm glad I've alerted you to this. To make you enjoy it less, because <laughs> fed. You're a weird fed guy. No, I'm joking, but seriously, like, they need to stop They're this. They're out front. They've established the rules now. They are trying to correct the one flaw, I think, in all of this to make it the most perfect WWE story ever told. And because WWE television is so fundamentally flawed, they are writing themselves into corners with yeah. this invisible camera stuff. The perverse part of me, the schadenfreude part of me, could not be happier with this development. You know what they need? The red, my little piss take on what culture say, oh, it's the best storyline of all time if you don't care about the invisible camera. And I thought, all right, we'll show this dickhead. We, need we can be better than this invisible camera stuff that we do. The, I'm not. They haven't done this to appease me. <laughs> They've, for whatever reason, this invisible camera has become a part of the story. It was this week's thing, wasn't it? We've got to crack that now. Yeah. Yeah. When a lot of people weren't bothered. Uh-huh. And they've written themselves into corners. Look, at the end of this, we'll get to the Jay and Sammy segment. At the end of this, at least one baby face, at least one baby face you're meant to really like just comes off like the biggest idiot known to man here. Yeah. There's a, a thing as well. I'm going to get my, my dates and details wrong here, but I'm pretty sure SmackDown is in um, Canada the night before uh, Elimination Chamber. Yes. So this was, if nothing else, a canny... They needed a way to justify why Jimmy Uso couldn't be there next week. But again, he's allowed. Is he? Apparently, uh, right, well, so apparently Dave Meltzer said they're both cleared. Interesting. So I thought this was like... Might not necessarily be true, but I trust Dave. Well, yeah, me too. And I, But I was watching this assuming, God, they've gone a long way around to get into this. They surely must have, couldn't they? Just couldn't Braun Strowman have like given him a chop lock or something? Yeah, and then yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, my knee's hurt. I'm going to have to get some surgery next week because I'm not like that. A recurrence from the injury that I sustained on Raw. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was a right around. But if that's all been cleared... It might be a right around, who knows? Yeah. Still a piss poor one. Yeah, not very good. Actually. Um, speaking of not very good, Jesus Christ, this women's division. Holy... I can't edit, so I'm not going to swear. Um, Natalia's out. She's saying... Um, She's buzzing to have taken Shayna Baszler out of the Elimination Chamber because, obviously, Shayna was a monster in that a couple of years ago, and it's going to be in Canada. So she's looking forward to uh, getting herself back on the road to WrestleMania by winning the Chamber. Um, She calls Shayna Baszler nothing more than a Ronda Rousey knockoff, which brings out Shayna Baszler, um, who says she's tired of everybody using this Ronda Rousey stuff. She was in business long before Ronda. She has, you know, like, comparable records and achievements and all that kind of thing. Um... And Natalia and Ronda look uh, sorry, Natalia and Shayna look like they're about to go at it. And then Ronda Rousey returns. Just to the most normal, tepid reaction from the crowd, from the commentators, from uh Shayna and Natalia in the ring. Nobody is selling that Ronda Rousey is back. Because no one cares that Ronda Rousey is back. Cares that Ronda Rousey. It's a strange. Ronda Rousey, I don't think cares that Ronda Rousey is back. Weirdest, weirdest vibe and energy in this building. Last time we saw her, of course, she lost the title to uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte, in like quite a shocking, um, out of nowhere, unadvertised match after she defeated Raquel Rodriguez. Um, 
And then, and then Rousey and Shayna tease a bit of dissension because I guess Shayna has sort of sideways negged Rousey there. Um, and Natalia's like, well, I'm not really happy. Is that really. what they were doing? I think so. <laughs> I then, didn't get this yeah, at all. And then like Rousey and Shayna are like, uh, uh, got you. And then just beat Natalia down. And then Shotty comes out to make the save and they beat Shotty down again. And then they beat Natalia down some more and win the segment effectively, even though Natalia is the one that's going to Elimination Chamber. What was this? Is that what they were trying to do? Well, I thought that at first, and it was like, got you, we're best friends, and you're in trouble. And she was. Like, the heels followed through on their actions. It would help if Ronda Rousey emoted. Yeah. Like, I know she's bored, senseless, and it's a kind of a mutual apathy at this point. But if she emoted a little bit, maybe this would have worked. I was so baffled by this. Is I wondered if this was to set up. So they targeted um, Natalia's arm, and the SmackDown is the Go Home SmackDown is going to be in Canada. Are these dastardly heels going to break Natalia's arm in Canada on Friday, and one of them is going to take her place in the chamber on Saturday? Was this? Well, like, Mel- this was a horrific segment, but was that to settle that? I don't know, but Melter reported that they're going for damage control in Ronda and Shayna for the titles. So I'd, I don't know. Yeah. Again, you can't. You, I, I trust Dave, and he's got the WrestleMania card more often wrong, uh, right more often than wrong in recent years in the Observer. So we'll, we shall see. I don't know if this was just a way to. This is the problem with Triple H and his fondness for multi-man and multi-person matches that because there's so many of them in there, you can't have to use people in the in there for heat. Yeah. So I think he's just using Natalia for heat, but she's going to be in the match regardless. But we shall see. Away from that potential plot hole or twist, my God, if Ronda Rousey emoted once, it could give a clear indication of the story she's telling or if she actually believes in it because I got neither of those things no. watching this. And oh my God, is Natalia meant to be the baby face here? Well, this is the thing. I think so. Oh my god, the the dialogue and the delivery yeah. is they need to get women writers. Yes. Or more of them. It's a problem with Katana Chance and Caden Carter. They just come across as the most obnoxious people alive mm-hmm. on NXT two point oh Natalia here just they always feel like women scripted by men. Yeah. Absolutely. It's never once... Who hate a, women. <laughs> even in, like, the quote-unquote good periods for the division, it's never once veered from that path. No, Ever. no, I, I, this was... Dialogue's always rotten. The, just the... Uh, look, the cadence is, a, like, is bitchy as all hell. Mm-hmm. They are... It's like that bitchy cadence yeah. that they write the, the writers write copy in a style that cannot be read in any other way except bitchy. The women with agency are the ones you can tell have agency because they're the only ones that speak differently. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. And yeah, that might just be it, maybe. Yeah. Um I even Liv speaks like a man writing for a woman who hates women. I they've I think we're gonna get to her shortly. In attempting to make her likable, they've scaled back any opportunity she's even got to talk. Oh god. Like and what does that say about the company really? Because Liv Morgan with very limited promo time has developed something bigger than a cult following, and yet you know, she's now had to be reduced yeah. right back to just working as someone's generic tag partner. Um, look, me and you love talking about Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Thank oh, you. my God. I'm, there's one can left. Don't have it. You've it's, got some at home. It's all yours, brother. I would have never dreamt of taking it. I I'm going to hide it yes. behind uh, Joe's oat milk. Good, smart, because so nobody, nobody will be picking that up. You've got some at home, so don't you have yeah. it. Murray doesn't like it. No. It's Willborn tomorrow. I'll keep my eye on. I mean, it's Willborn juice by definition, really, isn't it? I love Pitch Black. He man. wakes up in the morning, it's already like he's had six cans of Pitch Black. You know what? I was, uh, I went out with the boys mm-hmm. on Friday night, a rare outing for me. My God, I was rough. <laughs> I was rough. I had to have a ham sandwich the second I woke up. Right. Then have the bacon sandwich. Oh, then have the paracetamol. I just needed, my body felt horrible. Yeah. And I was just open the fridge. I was like, I had a can of a Shan Fanta lemon from. A yeah. big bottle of like the snide fake Fanta Limon I know, from well, Aldi. Yeah. Really nice. Mm-hmm. One of the best, most closest emulations got a good of the range real of thing. knockoffs in Aldi, I think. The Fanta Lemon's the most closely emulating one. Uh, just where's the pitch black? I would have killed someone for pitch black in that moment. You know that sweet, sweet 127% sugar? Just a taste. <laughs> just a taste. Oh, that, purple, well, that purple taste. We can't stop talking about Pitch Black, but L.A. Knight wants to. Uh, And good for him, actually, because he survived that program. He survived Bray Wyatt. Um, It's all about the future. That's him. This was, just to make it quite clear, I think, I still maintain this after the Royal Rumble, Bray Wyatt does not exist as a WWE superstar, does he? Man's a sandwich board. He's a sandwich board. They're going to do some bollocks that promote something else, and he's going to be there for it. 
his feuds don't count. LA Knight has got out of this in one piece in the way that Seth Rollins couldn't, in the way that Randy Orton struggled to. These huge stars, LA Knight's managed just fine because it doesn't count. It doesn't count when it's happened. This is a, an, like an amazing revelation. Yeah. This thing. Bray Wyatt is the... Everyone who beats Chris Jericho in a feud in AEW, where, like, Chris Jericho's still Chris Jericho, so he has to put me on TV. Yeah. Even though Claudio's just tapped me out three <laughs> times. That's Bray Wyatt. I'll take that. I like that. Chris Jericho hit it. Me and Bray, we were kind of the last guys. <laughs> we were kind of the last guys to do jobs, but not really do jobs, if you know what I'm saying. We were kind of the last guys to be set on fire and papers. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, hey, tag teams. Watch out because Sonia Deville and Chelsea Green are here. I don't know. What? <laughs> what? what was this? Um, bad match with Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. So Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan are obviously in Elimination Chamber. I think Raquel Rodriguez has had a good run of late. I really quite liked her in the Royal Rumble when not a lot of people got over. And that Ronda match, nobody will ever go back and watch, but is Ronda's best, I, I reckon, think people quietly. will always think, oh, this run of Ronda Rousey's was absolutely terrible. But God bless and well done yeah. for Raquel for getting a half-decent outing out of her. That's the tone, isn't it, when like Ronda should have been the more... Not like more experienced, yeah, when, but... The, yeah, when Raquel Rodriguez downed Ronda Rousey in a solid effort, I think that a lot of people were uh, <laughs> really, really impressed. Very good. Uh, this was, uh, yeah, at best a solid effort, but that might be a bit too generous. Um, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan win. They do the Tahana bomb into the oblivion. It's their, like, two-hander, I suppose, for tag belts they're never going to fight for because they're opponents at the paper. But this was just to put them over and to give Chelsea Green... This Chelsea Green character more things to complain about. I don't know where I stand on this Chelsea Green gimmick, you know. Let's have a, let's have a moment on this because it's rubbish, but it's so knowingly rubbish, and a woman has a character that is... And this is... <laughs> This is damning to so many more. So much more defined than about 85% of this division that sometimes it's better to have that than not. My thing on this Chelsea Green character is that in contrast to everyone on NXT Black and Gold who Triple H has given nothing. Yeah. Triple H gave nothing to Chelsea Green. She was in NXT doing now for like two years. Mm. So I find that a bit weird. This is a three-year-old gimmick a three-year-old, one-dimensional gimmick that Chelsea Green can kind of pull off, I think. Yeah, maybe that's, that's my take on it. I think she's got... You couldn't slap this on Candice LeRae. Of course not. Like, nor would you want to, but you couldn't I think it. they've actually thought about what to do, mm. which, is that the curve that we talk uh, about all the time? Yeah, it's less than ideal. Chelsea Green is... She's going to work hard to get this over. Yeah, I think so. I, I think she might. Um, Just because the what the Karens do, they ask to speak to the manager. The manager says the concerns are trivial and very self-obsessed, and then have a meltdown. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea Green, having played the hot mess, is well versed to having meltdowns. Yes. So this gimmick is a what do you think? All right, I have meltdowns. <laughs> okay, well we'll give you this gimmick. Doesn't matter that's three years old. We don't know this. Mm. We think it's cool. And just heard it the other week. This is a meltdown facilitator gimmick, and the meltdown's going to come at some point, and. She'll be good at it because the hot mess got over. Yeah. They often, like, the whole point with the Karen thing as well is that you end up with a refund or, you know, your, your validation or whatever. They might give her a shot of her one week. And yeah. Like, they're kind of like the payoff to grand thing, right, sod it, you can just have your title match, please, yeah. and be done with it. And then obviously she loses. Um, Madcap Moss and Emma have been doing some uh, sucking and, and uh, as a result, Madcap Moss is feeling pretty good, feeling pretty jacked. Um, I kind of called. So Emma just got brought back to suck off. Well, because uh, yeah, they're together in real life. And yeah, I know this. Triple H, and they have no chemistry to because the, that's what happens. Yeah, to the um, Chelsea Green point, Triple H just brought her back with Nout, and it was like, "Well, you two going out in real life to do that for a bit while I think yeah, no. while I think of something else." It's the strangest thing. Bring back so many. I understand the it's need really to, strange that Papa H isn't good. <laughs> no, to fill the roster, I think he took a look at the roster and be like, uh, "I think we sacked too many people, Nick." And Nick Khan's like, "Well, politically, right now, I can't do anything to stop you. So go on, you can have ten. Yeah, yeah. I'll open back up ten cells. Yeah. Use, use them wisely." And he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, aye, but anyway, yeah, Madcap Moss is uh, filling up to it. Oh boy, um, sit down next, and Michael Cole sit down that gave me the flashbacks to the 2013 run when they were doing. Daniel Bryan versus the Authority, and Michael Cole had sit down with Triple H in this dank room every week because he was sat down with uh, Charlotte Flair, who uh, isn't. I must have blocked those 
Triple H sit downs from oh, a I memory. I remember Michael Cole would sit down with Triple H and he'd do that. Like loads of the Triple H meme faces where he like looks at his most Kermit, mm, leaning forward. And like, well, Daniel Bryan's a great wrestler. And I'm very excited to see what he can do against the Big Show or whatever. And Michael Cole must have repressed these. Thank you for your time, Triple. That was awful. Um, Charlotte Flair uh, doesn't think Rhea Ripley's ready. Doesn't think she can stand the. Ch- doesn't think she stands the chance. Still acknowledges that Rhea is probably as better as she thinks she is. Three years on from the first match when she was nowhere near ready, but she still doesn't think she's ready. Um, taught her a lesson at WrestleMania 36 and is going to put her back in a place and teach her another one. WrestleMania 39. Ladies and gentlemen, the baby face. What the hell? What was this? How do they not know? How do they not know? Got a fucking heel that people adore on Raw. Like, I can love to hate Rhea Ripley, but I love her first. I don't know at this point whether this company... I've said this about this company before, and it's different now, I guess, in the Triple H. He's slightly less inhuman than Vince was, right? <laughs> But I made the point that this company is so inherently awful as an entity that they can no longer recognize what good people are Mm. and what good people fight for and what good people feel like. Yes. And what the presence of a good person is. The dialogue's always bitchy. Or if you're a male baby face under six foot, just incredibly obnoxious. <laughs> These little yappers like Gargano and Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. Got him. Yeah, that case. Away. Just yeah. horrible people telling their talking props to just be horrible guys. I guess with Cody, he radiates a sense of achievement. And yeah. It's fake, but humility. He's got gravitas because he's set up an entire other one of yeah, these somewhere yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. It's just a different vibe, isn't it? And with Sami Zayn, they get why people like them. And I guess it's different. So at this point, I don't know whether it's that problem where it's just such an awful organization that they could never tell ever who the baby face. For the last 10 years, they could never tell who the baby faces and heels were. Yeah. That hard work and incredibly gifted, humble, brilliant Daniel Bryan. But Batista's got muscles. Yeah. And he's going to come in at number 27 and just win. Daniel but, he's Bryan got, but he's got muscles. Wants you to be healthier and ethical. Yeah, heel. Yeah, like all of this. <laughs> like all these countless the val- examples. The values are broken. Yeah, they just do yeah. not know who the heels and baby faces are. I still don't know if we're still there. Because lots of Triple H is a nice guy. Yeah. Or if they are just aware that she comes off as an arsehole and they simply don't care because they've had the plan since day one. And it predates the main roster because Triple H had it as well. Where this woman is the face of this revolution. Mm. And that's just the way it is. And that's the way we want history to be. And we will no sell reality because we'll get there in the end with this. Has there been an example in the Triple H's regime where, maybe top dollar, where someone's just not the role they're in, particularly as a baby face, and he's went, right, we can't have that. Everyone hates him. Let's just leave. Like Soraya and AW, to use a recent example, where it's like, they're not a baby face. Jesus Christ, no one's buying this. Let's not insult anyone's intelligence anymore. Right, turn them face. Yeah, it's gone because the other way. Because they were teasing the Dominic stuff, weren't they, yeah. with Vince, so I don't think that counts. It's gone the other way a little bit. I think he spotted that people just want to really enjoy your Chad Gables of the world. Mm. Like, he's been able to identify people that are stuck being heels because, well, Vince... Yeah. Likes wackiness, and you know, but I'm not sure about the other way. It's just the Charles Flair thing continues to. St- like, h- how do they not know oh. how she comes off? Everyone, everyone sees it except them. I'm not sure if I'm advocating this, but I have wondered if maybe they're trying to show us something here. Um, Rhea said, I'm you know, I don't need to put in my place anymore. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Charlotte Flair saying this back now, maybe they're going to do like a flash win at WrestleMania. Maybe Rhea is going to squash Charlotte Flair, Ooh, and it's going to. I don't necessarily think I want it. Triple H is a short book and a short match <laughs> on like a card where there's lots of other things to get yeah. to. Almost like Charlotte Flair is is put in her place to use their words. A normal win. No, it's it's not. It's not the way you're supposed to cram yeah, this Rhea. Think, yeah, yeah. But anyway, well, I don't know. Uh, main event time. Main event time. Yeah. Intercontinental title number one contenders match. You've got Imperium watching uh, in their own box. Karen Cross versus Rey Mysterio versus Madcap Moss versus Santos Escobar. Um, I'm not going to recap. It was WWE formula stuff until, right up until the finish, quite frankly. Um, two people wrestle, two more kind of dipping in and out, take turns, all that. Good all action stuff, but again, not particularly memorable, I didn't think. Um, they, at very least, told the story throughout that Madcap Moss was not just the fourth man. 
in my opinion, like I thought he had a good chance of winning because there was just other reasons for the others not to. And Madcap Moss, I think uh, they tried very hard here to not create an accidental Jinder Mahal type number one contender. He was physically very dominant at various points in this match. And then he does his, like, let's be honest, pretty awesome fire up towards the end. He has this like 100 mile an hour gear that he unlocks despite being like stacked and jacked and this kind of handsome WWE hero figure. Like he looks like he should be a Tom McGee but then he sort of finds himself moving like a one, two, three kid. It's this very unique... He's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. I never see... I don't think he's advanced upon that. Oh, he's a great explosive athlete. I see nothing else in him. There might be a lower ceiling than perhaps I'm giving him credit for. But he gets the win here nonetheless. There was sort of like a confluence of various things. Uh, what have we got? There was... Um, Carrying Cross, I'll, uh, I'll give you a minute to speak on this. But Carrying Cross getting caught with a 619 by Ray, but when Ray went to finish him... Uh, with the West Coast pop up, Scarlet grabs the the foot to stop him. Uh, Cross hits Ray with the cross hammer, but then Santos and Cross bundle out of the ring with a crossbody that again looked so poor. And I didn't know, I couldn't really tell if it was Santos giving or Cross taking. I feel like I know the answer. No, I know the answer to that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it did no. not look good. But because obviously uh, Ray, we was don't a, mug people off on this podcast. No. We don't chill for any promotions on this podcast. If it's bad, it's bad. It's carrying cross. Yeah, he, he looked incredibly sluggish here, cartoonishly so. But because he'd hit Ray with a cross hammer, uh, Moss was able to come in, hit that massive big elbow of his, and pin Ray to get the win. So it didn't like far from feeling like a stolen one. Yeah, it's how the match was was playing out. Madcap Moss gets the win. It's Madcap Moss versus Imperium Guns that didn't look too troubled by that prospect. But maybe that's going to make for something quite fun as a result. You know, one of the best insults I can recall in recent memory, because it was like, oh, he doesn't. But that makes what he can do all the more incredible when Roman Reigns got a little bit shook, I think the kids say, when CM Punk was doing all these numbers for AEW upon his debut. Yes. And, like, Roman Reigns was, I think he was a bit defensive. Get me a like, needle move t-shirt right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. like, that guy doesn't have an explosive bone in his body. <laughs> About CM Punk, and it's yeah. like, you know what? He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. I was like, oh, he's not explosive. <laughs> You're right, Roman. Even though I, you know, I really love CM Punk to this day. Karrion Cross, A, doesn't have an explosive bone in his body. No. And B, sucks. Whereas <laughs> A, CM Punk doesn't have an explosive bone in his body. B, he's literally incredible at everything else. Just absolutely incredible at every other aspect of the game, except that athletic side of professional wrestling, and yet he's so goddamn stubborn and bound and determined to do what everyone else can. He'll just fake being that athletic guy, and he's can somehow do these 60-minute cardio masterpieces yeah. and some aerials and some rapid-fire sequences because he's so goddamn stubborn. That's the man that CM <laughs> Punk is. Karrion Cross is... He has no explosive bone in his body, and all those things that Punk can do, he can't do them either. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a waste of space, but... He should be in a tag team or something. He's not a singles guy. His work is, it's like, have you ever, this might be a bit of a a cell phone, okay? Maybe my subconscious is riddled with being a failure. And I think very, like, lowly of myself. And this is why I have this particular dream where I feel like a weak man. Right. Do you have, have you ever had a dream in your life? And I'm surprised if you don't. Okay. Have you ever had a dream where, like, you're in a fight, but you just can't punch? Similar, where it's, like, where it's wait, like you're yeah, punching through treacle, yeah, and like you're just like, oh, I'm soft, oh, it sucks. Even in my dreams, I'm a little soft <laughs> yeah. loser, and you just can't. I definitely had that. Even in my dreams, I'm a loser. Yes, why can't I manifest just one good day? And you know when you yeah. just you, like, the person's not even doing anything. You're not yeah. getting battered; they're just there, but you cannot punch them. That's how Karrion Cross wrestles. His frigging hidden blade is less hidden than the WWE Invisible Camera. Like it's so <laughs> like it's like oh, guy sucks, and I hate it. How am I going to be able to dodge this? Karrion, stop giving me time to think of ways to dodge this. And, uh, like it's aye. the way he flounders, and that's the word flounders into taking that six one nine. I feel like I'm punching punching down to Karrion Cross at this point. Elements of that, isn't there? and I never yeah. like doing that. If I bury someone. It's usually because I've got a bit of a cruel sense of humor and I will use that power for good. Yeah. And bury Triple H or, you know, Vince or whoever. I don't like punching down, but God damn it, Karrion Cross is not a good professional wrestler. No. Anything on Moss Gunther? 
Can't be asked. <laughs> Fair enough. That's okay. You want? I just want to get to the real main event thing. Yeah, the real quiz. And then yes, we end with uh, Jimmy Uso watching the match weirdly, like uh, really deeply invested in the Intercontinental Title. Uh, and then Paul Heyman walking into the um, wherever Jimmy Uso was and saying, "Oh, take next week off." Uh, Roman Reigns says that you it's worth watching at home next week. You see things on TV that you sometimes can't catch live. Uh, slaps him on the arm, and that's all well and good. This is reminding me that Have I we got to, to the Sami Zayn I'll skip past it. I'm so sorry. Sami Zayn will just hit this now because it's all related. Sami Zayn and Jey Uso have a little clandestine secret chat. In front of a camera. A secret chat in Which between. we know exists now. No, it was Be- secret because it was between production trucks. Yes, but we know the camera exists because Paul Heyman insinuated to Jimmy Uso at the end of this show that all of his actions is being traced and tracked and watched. Counterpoint, if this was being filmed, why was Jey Uso looking over his shoulder to see if anybody, and Sami Zayn was looking like he kind of emerged from as if he'd been hiding? Well, if they, so they would be utterly stupid and reductive, wouldn't they? Well, there's one, I mentioned this on Twitter, and someone's, I think someone said, or maybe I read a comment on a review comment section, maybe if Jey Uso's in on it, his sort of clandestine, paranoid, is anyone watching this other than the fucking camera right in front of my face, mm. his acting, if he's in on it, that can be excused. What about Sami Zayn? Yeah. Not only is Sami Zayn in and of himself, if the invisible camera was just invisible, this would be halfway excusable. Think of me saying that. If Jay's going like that, okay. But if he knows it's in, if he knows it's visible now, that's stupid. If it's a ruse, Sami Zayn, in addition to being filmed by a camera that we know is there because I watched it on YouTube, which exists in the WWE universe because WWE content exists on YouTube. He's a double idiot, Sami Zayn, because he's in front of an invisible camera. And if it's invisible, it's still stupid. If it's now visible, it's there, and you should be able to see it. And if it's visible, and Jey Uso knows it's there, and they're playing a trick on Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn's a moron. Well, were they trying to hide it from... There's, it, there's, it's insanity, this. I feel like, I don't know, I'm in a pool story or a Lovecraftian <laughs> horror. Right, the thing is, I'll just I'll mention this, because I thought there was a really nice detail and a development in this little conversation they had. But we've lost, like, I think that's been lost to this conversation, which I think is what our podcast is for, certainly. Um, Sami Zayn said he acknowledged Jey Uso. He put Jey Uso on that pedestal in a way that he didn't want Roman Reigns. And this goes back to all this idea that Jey Uso has always been this difficult figure for Roman Reigns to decide what to do with. And it's plays to their, Sami and Jey's earnestly quite fantastic relationship. And something you pitched about the Usos versus Owens and Sami could well play more like the elite tag match of yeah. Revolution more than this blood feud that we might see a turn. But either way, could this not have been achieved, right, with an interviewer catching... Uh, Caleb Braxton is catching Jey Uso as he's leaving the building. JJ, can I just get a word with you just a second? He's like, nah, I've got to get out of here. And then Sammy interrupts that because he's seen that there's an interview taking place and interruptions and interviews happen in wrestling all the time. And then they have that conversation because... Who were they hiding this chat from? Were they hiding it from Jimmy? Was the implication from Paul Heyman that Jimmy didn't see the chat that Sammy and Jay had, and Jimmy might have a problem with that if he sees that Sammy is on YouTube, mate. Just go on YouTube, Jimmy. Yeah, like, is it? Is it? Do you know what I'm asking? This there? is why I know. Actually, I, I don't, and I do at the same time because they've written themselves in such a corner that I just I'm bouncing around every take and mm. from every character's perspective and. Is it filmed or is it not filmed? And if it's filmed, why are they acting like it isn't filmed? Why is one of them, if they're in on it, a big bloodline going to beat down Sami Zayn in Montreal? What, is Sami Zayn the idiot? Yes, he is. And he's an idiot already if he isn't. It just drives me insane. One final thing before we preview Raw is that... Um, I forgot what I was going to bloody say. So if there was an invisible camera in your brain, it would have it there shot for shot and you'd be able to... All around for the people. What the hell was I going to say? Probably some invisible camera criticism or something like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Bloody it doesn't work. bloody work. They've written themselves into a corner with this. Yeah, I think we'll see like how it plays out with the Roman Reigns returning for this go home SmackDown, and if Sammy's going to be there and everything. But I like it was a contributing factor to an off week. But the more we've talked about it, it, feels like the contributing factor to why it was an off week. Like there were still details of the story I really like, but they they have themselves they stepped on their own dicks. Step, it's just, I love how 
even when I'm being a complete hypocrite, I'm still right. They should not have acknowledged the invisible camera <laughs> throughout any of this. And, and it, but again, it doesn't matter. The, the, the emotional connection that the wrestling audience has with the talent ultimately accounts for more than bad plotting. Look, yes. at, look at the attitude here, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I was going to say as well, uh, I remembered, is that AEW's constant interruptions mm-hmm. um, in the backstage interviews are very much the lesser of two evils. I would rather AEW were better than the lesser of two evils. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because um, the constant interruptions means that they never have to do an invisible, invisible camera segment, yeah. which means that it's a wholly more realistic universe so everything's on camera. That's their rule. Even if, right, we need a conflict. Oh, God, it's a backstage interruption again. Better that than the invisible camera, but I'd prefer to hold AEW to a higher standard. Yeah, that's fair enough. Do you hold WWE to the high standard we maybe have or even themselves have set here? Uh, let us know in the uh, in the replies to this podcast on Twitter where you can find all of us at WhatCultureWWE. You can also find Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can find me at Michael Hamflet. As Sidgwick pointed out, we'll be back soon with the Raw preview wherever you get your podcast. The Rampage review with Sidgwick and what culture Gaming's Scott Tailford making one of his beloved cameos. A very sprawling podcast, but there's some merit to it. He's great. A lot of merit He's great it. crack for this, Scott. That'll be uh, wherever you get him as well. Probably now, as you listen to this, in fact. Uh, and until next time, thank you for spending your time with us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 